Conquest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cavi Productions. Hello, and welcome back to the Conquest of Bliss. I am here with the lovely Mary Beth McCauley, and we're going to talk about, surprise, surprise, happiness. How are you today, Mary Beth? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am fantastic. I'm very excited. This is the first time I've recorded in like three weeks. I've been I've been using ones that I've recorded kind of all at once. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice. On that note, before we get started, big thanks to Jake Martin and John Cochet, our newest patron patrons here at the Conquest of Bliss. And so Mary Beth and I were just talking um, for a couple of minutes about the concept of stealing your own joy when something good happens. So um, do you want to explain what we mean by that, Mary Beth? Absolutely. Um, This is something I have really discovered about myself that I had probably done subconsciously for there's really no telling how long and not it finally hit me recently that I do this to myself. And I mean, I guess it's more commonly referred to as probably self-sabotage, but Mm -hmm. you know, whenever I have a great experience, um, doesn't really matter what it is. Maybe I got a a great new job or, um, I often do this, um, about my college degree. Mm, Okay. Um, okay. Pretty much anything that I could be excited about, or I'm like, you know, I did this, this is a great thing. I find ways to talk myself down about it. Um, like, well, I mean, you barely graduated. Like, you know, your Mm. GPA wasn't that great, but I mean, I guess you graduated or, um, I mean, yeah, that hangout with that friend you had was great, but they probably just agreed to see you to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize how often I did that and how damaging that can be to yourself and other people. I mean, that's such a good point. Yeah. That's such, like, and I mean, I love epiphanies like that, and I also hate them, right? Because it's super mm-hmm. uncomfortable to realize that you've been doing something that's not making your life better. But at the same time, there's so much power in going, oh, hey, this is a thing that I'm doing that isn't necessary. And you pointed out that it hurts other people. And I think that <sighs> I have such a weird relationship with the whole self and and others thing. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I don't think that that should be more important than than the, the amount it hurts yourself. But at the same time, I understand that so many of us are conditioned to put other people in front of ourselves. And if that is an effective way to get you to stop, then yeah, acknowledge the hell out of that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. I fall under that category for sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. Like I definitely learned self-love mainly because... I didn't want to hurt other people. I learned self-love because it's like, I have to take care of myself so that I can be there for other people. And in Mm -hmm. time, the actual caring about myself started to come, (laughs) you know? So it's like, it doesn't really matter how you get there. It's a slow process. I mean, I... I'm still working on it. I mean, I think it's always a work in progress, obviously, but Mm -hmm. even starting from the time that I, I kind of had that realization, like this is really something you need to work on. I'd say it's been two or three years and I still don't even feel like quote unquote halfway there sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's harder than it seems for sure. 
It is. And about the self-sabotage thing, like I'm always interested in where something comes from, either on a personal or a societal level. So I'm wondering, like, what do you think is happening behind the scenes when you start to self-sabotage? Do you think it's fear or do you think it's pride or like, what do you think is happening there for you? Oh man, we should have asked my therapist to be a guest star right now because <laughs> she would love to speak on this. <laughs> but um, I think it is a form of, it's like a defense mechanism to an extent. Mm-hmm. If you disappoint yourself, then you don't leave any room for other people to disappoint you. Um, oh, and I mean, of course, there's a lot of childhood stuff going on in there that we don't have to get into, but... <laughs> Um, I don't mind, but you know, um, yeah, it is, it's very much like, and I think people that struggle with self-love and body image issues anyways, probably operate under this mindset sometimes where, you know, if I call myself names, when other people call me those names, it doesn't have as much power. Yeah. At least, at least I was right. And being Mm -hmm. right is something. Right. You know, I'm not surprised that I'm not like hurt out of nowhere that these things were said to me. It's like, oh, I've already thought about that. Like, try again, you know, (laughs) you can do better than that. I've already thought of that, you know, which of course isn't uh, better per se. Um, But it's, it's how people learn to cope. And I, I would fall under that category for sure. Um, Well, and get into a routine, you know, mm -hmm. and a friend of mine, um, a friend of mine said something that feels relevant. Maybe it's not relevant, but we're just going to see. Um, she was talking about coping mechanisms one time because I'm really, um, I have a habit of going, I was stupid. I was this, I was that, right? And and kind of insulting my past self, like instead of insulting my current self, like mm-hmm. I've adapted to <laughs> insulting my past self. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, you weren't stupid. She said that was a coping mechanism that made sense for you at the time. Yes. And mm-hmm. the fact that it doesn't make sense for you now doesn't mean that it's, you're stupid. It's it's how you learn to cope when you didn't have other tools to fill in the difference. And I was like, mm-hmm. damn, Rachel, like she's so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hard hitting like right there. Like my therapist said something similar. She said, you're just doing what you learned to survive as a, as a child before you had the knowledge. That's, that's what you had to do to survive like mentally, or, I mean, I think in some cases physically for people, Mm -hmm. um, depending on your, on your situation. Um, she's like, you can't blame yourself for not knowing what you know now. I mean, well, absolutely. And, and it, and it makes a lot, of sense when you look at it like that and it helps you to be like I'm I know not everyone subscribes to the same ideology and theories that I do but I'm a big believer in self-compassion and grace and like gentle discipline especially like that's one of the quote-unquote divine feminine qualities right is the the gentleness and I know that for much of my life and most of the people I know especially who come from the church's lives Mm -hmm. um the the feminine qualities, whether they're toxic or divine, um, are mm-hmm. are shooed for the masculine qualities. No, you need to be strong. No, you need to be this. You know, you need to be that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that there's a reason that we were all blessed with both. You know, and and I think that the gentle, loving compassion is really the only thing that works long term. Discipline works in the mm-hmm. short term. But, you know, discipline often turns into shaming ourselves and sabotaging ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
or just and, fear. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to say what you're talking about also reminds me a lot of Brene Brown's thoughts on um, yeah. foreboding joy, you know, mm-hmm. where it's similar, but you're doing it after the fact. But, you know, Brene Brown talks about in the midst of good, joyous moments. So often we go, don't get too attached to it. Don't yeah. let yourself enjoy it because it's fleeting. And it's mm-hmm. like, we don't do that with the bad moments. If anything, in the bad moments, we tell ourselves it's going to last forever. You know? Absolutely. And it's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, absolutely. Like, she is an absolute genius. As And I, you know, I studied communication in college just in general. But, mm-hmm. um, and I've used that for marketing now. But my, I'd say my passion in that subject, it like lies completely in her realm of study. Like, understanding where these emotions come from and how they manifest in our lives is is so fascinating like she's doing the lord's work for sure like <laughs> she, i know she has changed so many people's lives mine included and Ab- absolutely yeah and i've definitely done exactly what she's talking about um like i had i met up with some friends that are typically long distance last weekend and I was really looking forward to it. I mean, yeah. obviously it's been a rough year and we haven't really been able to see each other. And so finally we had this great meetup scheduled. And even beforehand, I was like, you know, don't get too excited. Something could go wrong. Somebody can cancel. Um, 2020 is off the charts right now. So you never know what's going to come up. And and then when I got there, I was like, okay, things are going great. You're having a great time. And then as soon as I left, I was like, well, I mean, that was so fun. But I I really, I felt like I was being annoying or I felt like I was this or, you know, I was excited to see them, but maybe they weren't as excited to see me. And just, and this was all subconscious. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's happening without you even triggering it on yeah. purpose. Yeah. Just on the drive home. I mean, I had five hours in the car to just think about all of this. And it and I caught myself for the first time. I was like, what are you doing? Like, how would your friends feel if you said to them, well, you probably only drove 10 hours to see me because you... Felt guilty or obligated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You drove 10 hours because you felt obligated. Mary Beth, does that make sense? Absolutely not. I had to sit there and have a pep talk with myself and and how it would make my friends feel. And that's really, like you mentioned earlier, sometimes it takes thinking about how it affects other people first. Even though you should think about yourself first in most scenarios, you got to do it backwards sometimes in order to really get there. And that's exactly what happened. Well, absolutely. And I mean, that's why like I uh, also use this word a lot. So don't take it the wrong way. But like I try really hard not to use the word should because of exactly that is because who says Mm -hmm. it should, you know, like it feels like it should, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if this is what works, who cares if you do it backwards? You know, and and it's funny that you you answered the question that I was about to ask, because I was going to (laughs) say, so now that we have this information and I get these these micro epiphanies all the time, learning about mm-hmm. who and what I am and just how incredibly messy the internal world of Kara mm-hmm. Fernstrom is. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's like, okay, what do you do from there? Where do you go from there? And sometimes it's easy, well, sometimes it's easy to see a path and then other times it's harder. And I was going to ask, mm-hmm. 
you know, so once you had that information, what did you do? And you already explained that you, you talked about it and stuff. And I think that that's really beautiful because a lot of people, I think, get these epiphanies, don't know what to do with them and then try to forget mm-hmm. them. And then just, it becomes another shame point, you know? Oh, yeah. Where it's, it's an like, absolute circle of hatred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like a lot of times it's like, oh, I realize that I'm doing this. You piece of shit. You don't even care about your friend's feelings yes. and this and that. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Everything can turn into a, a, an insult and like directed towards yourself. A hundred percent. Even, even and insulting yourself, you yes, know, even the absolutely. fact that you do that. And of course, like, you know, my therapist has to, she's a broken record for me because I am just so stubborn, but you know, she says a lot of things. The biggest thing that she, the tool that she gave me to really help myself out of these like mind ruts that I get in is what, what's your evidence? Do you have evidence of what you're telling yourself right now? Mm-hmm. And so let's use my weekend for the example. Did at any point in the weekend, my friends say to me, you're being annoying or I regret coming here or whatever my mind could think of. Mm-hmm. Did that ever happen? And I'm like, well, no, but, and, and then my brain's like, but what? Like, where's your proof? Give me your proof. And if you don't have it, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> that's, that's so great. Um, I, uh, I've never heard it put that way, but I often do these, these weird, like likelihood analysis mm-hmm. analyses. I don't know how you'd say that. Um, in my brain where I go, okay, if the likelihood of either is generally speaking equally possible, it is mm-hmm. most productive. And I know this sounds really like almost like Matt-ish, where it's like overly logical. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, if Matt, I, the off chance Matt's listening, I'm sorry, we love you. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, where, you know, I go, okay, well, it's more productive for me and for anyone in my life for me to err on the side of assuming that I'm enough err on the side of assuming that I am providing what I need to provide and doing my best um, just because it's it, it's just literally technically more productive. A happy person works better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more likely to take good chances and things like that. And so like I've got it down to this like almost sciencey thing where I'm like, nope, can't mm-hmm. get out of this one. <laughs> you have to do it sometimes. You really have to make it methodical because your feelings really... There, there's just no way. My, my therapist always says you can't out logic your feelings. You can't mm-hmm. logic your way out of this because it's what you feel, and that doesn't, you know, they're not always true. But you can't, you can't just think your way out of it sometimes, which I often try to do. She's like, you, you can feel it, and you can use these like tools and processes to, to balance that out, you know, um, which is, I mean, it's a learning curve for sure. nobody's perfect especially me at that (laughs) (laughs) too um and and it's it's funny because that's actually that that's the other piece is that like so like I use this like intense logic but I also like uh, I have to and I imagine you're the same I don't know though so correct me if I'm wrong but um (laughs) I also like feel like I have to let myself feel every feeling that comes up and sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little bit ridiculous. Like my cat died um, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago now. And uh, this thing came up. It's a silly little thing. So my phone has started creating memories, which is where it takes my photos and sorts them into 
what it considers albums and then it names them based on this algorithm or whatever. And the day that I took Oscar to the vet, I take I took a whole bunch of pictures of him, right? Because I was like, this is my last chance. And uh, and it made it, it, it made an album called Special Day. And it like broke my heart when I saw oh, it and I started God. crying. And um, my brother looks over me at me and he just happened to look over right at the time. So I had to like go over everything that had happened and it mm-hmm. extended it. But like, I honestly, I probably cry half a dozen times every day, but so quick that most people wouldn't even see me cry. You know, like there's so many emotions all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so like, I, I kind of use both of those strategies in, mm-hmm. in tandem with one another where it's like, you have to let your emotional self happen or else it's just not gonna, like it's gonna, and you're just gonna be mad right. about it. You know, you're just yeah. gonna die mad about the fact that you're gonna cry. Right, um, yeah. <clears throat> I think that's important. I think a balance is definitely important. Um, because if you if you don't allow yourself to feel it, you're just running from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you should balance that logic to say, this is what I'm feeling, but that may or may not be true, especially if it's like a feeling about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, maybe I feel sad, but I'm also happy that I had this time with Oscar and like things like that, you know, mm-hmm. it's an important pairing. Um, and it, if, like I said, it's really hard to find that balance sometimes and you don't always get it right, but, um, that's the beauty of it, I guess. <laughs> well, it really is. And, and I mean, it's, it's a complicated mess. I mean, I don't know that I know any like adults, like kind of, I actually have no idea how old you are, but I assume you're within five to, you know, five years of my age, probably, I feel like maybe quite a bit younger than me. But. I just turned 26. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, gonna, I was thinking <laughs> you're like about five years younger than me. So um, I'm 30. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. About there. Um, but I don't know anyone, you know, late millennials, let's call ourselves. <laughs> um, right. That, uh, that doesn't have like a crazy amount of baggage and especially around sense of self. And I think this is just a personal belief, but I think a lot of that has to do with what they pushed for self-esteem when we were young and like the idea of Mm -hmm. self-esteem as opposed to the idea of self-love and self-respect and like that's why like we look at the look in the mirror and we feel like we have to look a certain way because it's about thinking highly of yourself instead of actually loving yourself you know that's a theory I have so (laughs) well and of course I think that of course plays a lot into um we have to be or appear to be successful. And so it's it's not even about, or maybe in our parents' generation, it wasn't about loving yourself, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. It was about, well, you need to think highly of yourself because you need to be successful and you need other people to look up to you. Yeah. yeah. And of course, success looks differently for everybody, but maybe in our parents' generation, that looked a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's true with my parents. Um, my dad still struggles with feeling like um, like comparing himself to his coworkers and like material things he has. And I think that mm-hmm. has a lot to do with how he was raised because success for his parents and his family was that we have money, maybe. Mm-hmm. And of course, that can look differently for other people. But that's the first time I really saw that in my personal life and you know and like my therapist has told me I've been bringing her up a lot but obviously she's the best Um, (laughs) and she's very wise but 
you know, she's like, you, you're carrying more than your own baggage on your shoulders. You're carrying generations of baggage. Absolutely. You're carrying your parents. They're carrying their parents. Like it all comes together. And that's why we go to therapy to work on that. Um, and if we don't, then we're passing down another, another layer of baggage in the generational stack, I guess. Well, and what's what's interesting about that is even if we don't have children of our own, that's true. Like mm-hmm. my baggage can easily be passed down to my nieces and nephews or any any child in the next generation that gets a lot of um, their care from me. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's it's so important. And I and I love that you I love that you came in and said, yeah, that might be true, but there's a reason. You know, I think that that's such an important piece is, is it's so easy to get angry that we weren't raised right or that we missed missed opportunities and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But really every parent is just a person. Every aunt and uncle is just a person. Yeah. You know, and uh, And it's still okay to be angry, of course. Like that's mm -hmm. what I've been wrestling with personally is, you know, well, I want to give my parents grace because they are just humans and they were probably just as much in the dark as maybe I would be if I had a child right now. But, you know, also giving myself the space to be angry and to feel whatever I need to feel in order to move past it. Um, And that's, it's hard to allow yourself that sometimes, especially when you want to give them grace. Like, it's hard to do both, but it's, I think it's necessary. Oh, absolutely. I can't believe that you're like, you're like speaking my experience right now. Um, <laughs> the last, uh, like the last month or so, I mean, with everything, because Oscar's not the only thing, it's just been crazy. I went bungee jumping, like it's just been all over the map. And uh, it's been very emotional and like, I want to say tumultuous, but I'm not sure if that's the right word. So I'm just going to say like difficult. Um, yeah. And in the last month or so, like I have gotten angry, like extremely angry a couple of times over really, really small things. And what was weird is that I realized it was the first time I'd been angry and I don't even know how long because mm-hmm. I wasn't allowing myself to feel any anger. Yeah. You know, it was like, no, grace and space is all that you offer, right? Mm-hmm. But you can absolutely do those things concurrently. You can you can give people all the grace in the world, but still feel your own feelings. It's not, mm-hmm. a, it's not a zero-sum game where you have like one person wins and one person loses. Mm-hmm. And it's right. easy to get caught up in that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I realized how much I was suppressing just because I was trying so hard to just put on a happy face and say, you know what? It's okay. Everything's fine. It was in the past. But at the same time, obviously, the the hurt that I experienced in my past, it still affects me today. And yeah. so unless... If I'm just going to keep prolonging that, I'm never going to get past that. Or it's it's always going to be a part of my experience. And I really had to accept that in order to move on. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with what EMDR is. Yes, I am. Yeah. Eye movement DR. <laughs> Something reprocessing. Desensitization reprocessing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and we've, re- we've been doing a lot of that. And at first, you know, I was like, how the hell is this going to work? Give me a break. You want my eyeballs to move? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you know, I'll try anything twice. So let's do it. And I was really surprised at what came up. Um, 
like, I hope my parents don't listen to this, bless their hearts, but um, I would say most of my childhood anger is directed towards my dad. Mm -hmm. But I really, it wasn't until doing that that I realized how much, what, what kind of different things I felt towards my mom as well. And just going through stuff like that will like blow your mind. It, it at least blew my mind. Like, absolutely. Like I've been doing the um, bilateral tapping with my yeah, therapist, yeah. <laughs> which is very similar. I mean, they're all physiological ways to access different parts of your brain, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's interesting too because I also thought that most of my anger, well, I mean, and most of my anger was towards my dad for sure as well. Very similar. But then there's these things where mm-hmm. it's like. You know, I was angry at my mom for being complicit for a long time, you know? Yes. You just read my mind. Yes, absolutely. And that was like my most recent therapy session was what I had to work through. And I mean, I haven't cried that hard in like a hot minute because mm-hmm. it had just, it never really dawned on me until then. Yeah. You're, you're speaking my language here. <laughs> And it's, and it's fascinating. Like, it's such a beautiful journey. And one of the things, so sorry if I'm like interjecting a lot. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't recorded in a bit and I've had so much happen. Oh my God, you're so fine. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, uh, I've been, I've been going through, I forgot what I was going to fucking say. Oh my God, I hate that. Um <laughs> I had a thought earlier too, oh. and I put I, I left it like it is gone. But I was like, "This is so good, I can't wait to say it." And so now I have a notepad in case it comes back. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're talking about processing with with our parents, and then I mean, I think just basically. Oh, I was going to say what the journey the journey is worth it because I was talking to someone recently. Um, I don't know if you saw, but I was asking if anyone wanted to be a guest on my friend's podcast about disabilities. And I just ended up talking yeah. to this friend of mine about, because um, he's going to go on my friend's podcast. And I was talking to this friend of mine about um, just like what I've been working on for for so mm-hmm. long. And he's like, that sounds like a lot of work. And I'm like, you know, it is a lot of work. But at the same time, fighting reality is just mm-hmm. as much work, but half as productive. Like, <laughs> Look at my phone screen right now. I know that our listeners can't see it, but my literal phone screen background says, vulnerability is hard. Faking it forever is harder. Yes. Oh my that God. That is I love my that. mantra. <laughs> yes. And that and, speaks to me. Yeah. And it's so worthwhile. And some days it's going to, you know, some days all you're going to be able to do is survive. And that's hard mm-hmm. to accept for me, at least personally. Like it's hard to accept that I could just be in survival mode for any period of time. Like I should be thriving and all these little things in my head about who I was. But then you said should. should. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, no, I am who I am and I'm where I'm at and that's okay. And I'm only going to get anywhere from actually meeting myself where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this has just been one big long advertisement for therapy. Really Um, though. (laughs) Like I know it's not easily accepted I can't even say that word, accessible to everybody. But if it is accessible to you, I say take advantage because I was very skeptical at first because I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book. I mean, 
I have no problem talking to my friends about really personal things, um, the people I trust, and even even strangers. I really don't care, to be honest, <laughs> as long as I don't make them uncomfortable. But And so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I've said everything I could possibly say. Like, I've talked it out and talked it out. So what is talking to another human going to do? But I really underestimated the, I mean, obviously, therapists are professionals and they mm-hmm. study this. And so clearly they know more than us in this topic, but I underestimated how many tools that my therapist would give me to work through things in real time mm-hmm. um, rather than just saying it out loud. Like as you say it, you should maybe be journaling or um, looking for evidence based on how you feel. And if that's actually true, like things like that. Um, whenever I, have a bad memory and I need to go to work or something like I'm let's just say I'm like super activated or triggered and I need to go to work learning how to put that in I'd I'd say probably just compartmentalizing but she had me create this box in my head that I can place the memory in and close it and put it away for later Mm -hmm. so I can unpack it when I am in a safer place or something and I was like, of course, a skeptical. And I was like, okay, we'll see how this goes. And it <laughs> works. Can we cast on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, can. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's really fine. Um, I'm pretty sure I've already cussed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just um, dropping F-bombs over here. <laughs> I uh, Well, and that's just it, is that like there are so many tools and like one that's worked for me that sounds equally silly is really kind of separating myself into a child and adult figure. And when I am not mature enough to deal with something, I go, okay, how would I deal with this if it were a child demanding that they be allowed to walk 48 kilometers or whatever other thing that I have done that is silly? And then and then it's a lot easier yeah. to give myself grace, but it's also right. easier. Like I'm almost <laughs> parenting myself. Um, and it's, it's yeah. really cool. No, reparenting is a real thing. Yeah. And, I, I didn't know there was a name for it. Um, and then, yeah, no, the like, thing- if you feel like you didn't get what you needed as a child, you, like, you can reparent yourself through therapy. Like, that is something I've been doing for sure. Like, that's, that's a real thing, girl. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, you know, I do go, th- go to therapy as well, but it isn't accessible for everyone. But what a lot of people don't realize is, most of the books, like, I mean, I think people, I think people realize that they don't think of it because it's not what it used to be, but mm-hmm. libraries still have a lot of books that have a lot of information that are easily accessible. One of the beautiful things about Brene Brown isn't just that a lot of her stuff is groundbreaking, although some of it is, mm-hmm. but it's that she reads it in a, she writes it in a way that is very accessible to the average person. It's not mm-hmm. overwritten and difficult to understand. She also has lots of stand, uh, not stand up, <laughs> TED Talk type things where she has lectures. Yeah. It's like the opposite of stand up. Um, no, right. I mean, she is funny, but you know, you will also cry. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, she's going to make you feel deeply. Right. Um, and so, so if you don't have access to it right now, that doesn't mean that you don't have somewhere to start. I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm saying. Um, before we close, I didn't ask you this before because I forgot. But do you want to play a game? Absolutely. I love games. Okay. So <laughs> this <clears throat> uh, this is a very, very simple game um, where I'm going to read you Canadian slang and Ooh, I'm going to get this. you to guess what <laughs> the slang means. Okay. So, uh, 
And I just grabbed a random list, but I, of course, also know lots of Canadian slang because right. of the whole being Canadian thing. I'm hoping um, that all my days of watching Letterkenny will come in handy right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. So we'll start the simplest. Um, what does A mean? It's just like, yeah, like, uh, right? let's go to the bar, eh? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, right? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> like that's a it's a really big storm, eh? I, I mean, I, yeah, I, right. I don't say, I can't say it unnaturally properly. Like, if yeah. I try to say <laughs> A, it doesn't work at all. Um, okay, do you know what loonies and toonies are? Oh, no, loonies and toonies. I have no idea. <laughs> they're one and two dollar coins. What? And that is their official names are Looney and Toonie. No way. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> have you ever I seen Canadian money? It's so colorful. I don't it's think like so, no. Our, oh, I wish I had cash on me. Our five dollar bills are blue, our twenties are green, our fifties are pink. Um Stop. Yeah, our tens are purple. Um <laughs> That's amazing. It's very colorful. <laughs> um, okay, so what's a double-double? Oh, man. I'm sure we're not referring to in and out here. Um, a double-double? I want to say it's food or alcoholic beverage related, but I think I'm wrong. <laughs> it's a coffee with two cream and two sugar. Oh, okay. So I was if, close. If you hit up your local Timmy's, you can get a double double. Tim Hortons. I yeah. I know that one. <laughs> I know that one. I don't know how, but I know it. <laughs> Do you know what a two four is? Two four. They say this on Letter Kenny, but I have no idea. No. <laughs> it's a twenty-four case of beer. Yes. Dang it. I'm disappointed <laughs> in myself. I'm letting myself down. <laughs> Do you know what a toque is? Duke. Oh no, I feel like I should know this one too. I don't, unless it's like a, like you're toking on a like a cigarette or a joint or something. No, no, it's a uh, it's like a beanie basically. It's like a oh type of hash, like a toboggan. Yes, yes, that's what they yeah. call it in Texas. Is that what they say in Tennessee as well? Yeah, they say toboggan or. I'd say beanie's probably the most widely accepted, but us real country folks like to bargain. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do two more. Do you know what okay. Z is? I know that it's the uh, number zero in French. Is it? I think it's yeah, the last letter so. of the alphabet in French, just like it is. Oh, no, you're Canada. right. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my six years of French are wearing I think off. It's zero. I think it's I think just you're right. with the French accent. It is the letter Z, though. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and then the last one I'm going to do, because I think this one's real funny. Actually, it's the last one from the list, and then I'm going to do a bonus one. Um, Ooh, okay. Is, what is a keener? A keener? A keener. Hmm. I wish I had some creative guesses, but I'm really, I'm really struggling <laughs> here. I have no idea. <laughs> so... Keener is basically like a brown noser, like someone who's real keen on something. Mm. So like, he's a keener would be like like borderline insult, but not quite an insult, you know? Like it's mm. like 
you're overly enthusiastic and nobody likes mm-hmm. that is basically what it means. <laughs> I feel that. Snitches get stitches. I feel exactly. You. Exactly. <laughs> the, uh, the final one I'm going to do, and it wasn't on the list, and I'm just curious if you've ever heard it, is what does it mean when someone says, Bob's your uncle? Bob's your uncle? Yeah. That sounds like such a Letterkenny phrase right there. <laughs> I act like Letterkenny is the only show to ever come out of Canada. It just happens to be the only one that I've ever seen um, where they really like, they really lay it on heavy with the slang. Um, <laughs> I'd say it's probably like not quite an insult, but. Whenever I think of uncles, I just think of your crazy drunk uncle. There. And so maybe you're like te- you're like saying this drunk person over here is like your fucking crazy drunk uncle. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I like I like your creativity, but that's not even close. Okay. Um, great. <laughs> <laughs> it basically means there you have it. So like you you walk into the room, you look to your left and Bob's your uncle. What you were looking for is right there. You know, interesting. Um, so it just means like, there you go. Bob's your uncle. Like, so, I'll be damned. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. So, okay. Um, I need to start saying that more often. I like it. Yeah, I love it. And and it's it's oddly like it doesn't seem to. It's one of those weird slangs that doesn't seem to have crossed the border at all. I remember mm-hmm. like some of them. Oh, I love slang. But um, some Me of them too. kind of cross over Canada wide and some of them like hella are sort of only like down mm-hmm. the, the West Coast, including in, in America. And then there's like, fuck all. Do you know what fuck all means? I think I do, yeah. It's yeah. just like, uh, I, could, I kind of, I would use it like in the middle of nowhere. Like, oh. well, that we say like, have you ever heard like bum fuck in Egypt? Oh, we hear, we say or bum fuck nowhere. Um, okay, yeah, same thing. Like, it, or if you are trying not to cuss, you say BFE, and it just means like in the middle of fucking nowhere, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so that's what that, fuck all makes me think of. That's interesting. So that's not what it means here. And um, what it means here is it either means anything or nothing. So, like, if mm. I say I was allowed to watch fuck all as a kid, or I wasn't allowed to watch oh. fuck all as a kid, those would be the same sentence. And they mean, they both mean I, I wasn't allowed okay. to watch anything. Um, we say jack shit. Yeah, we also say jack shit. We just, but like we use fuck all so much that we'll also say sweet fuck all or SFA. And people understand yes. like, like she didn't do SFA would mean she didn't do sweet fuck all, which means she did nothing. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Anything with fuck in it, I'm on board with. <laughs> yeah, this has been an extra cussy episode, which I kind of love. Um, I mean, I'm sure you like recognize the risk of asking me on your show because that's probably <laughs> every other word I say, but no, no, I love it. I don't, uh, I don't bother with the whole, like, like my very first episode was considered explicit. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. You can just put like a, a warning at the end. Cause it just gets progressively more <laughs> explicit as the episode goes on. Like it seems very <laughs> sweet and innocent. And then by the end of it, it's like F bombs everywhere. I, I sound like just a sweet little Southern belle from Tennessee. And then I say fuck 12 times in a row. <laughs> All right, I'm so, a real lady. <laughs> before we close out, is there any way that my guests could find out more about you or the projects that might be upcoming or anything like that? Where could they reach you? Sure. Um, so I do have some things in the works that I can't publicly announce just yet, but 
Um, the one place I will direct you right now is my Instagram. Um, my handle is, um, you spell it X-M-U-R-B-E-F, which if you say it fast is Merbef. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> welcome to the South. That was my nickname in high school. So anyone who wants to know the origin story of my username, now you have it. But um, I will probably, that's like where I spend 90% of my time. So whatever, whenever it comes out, you will see it there. All right, folks, that's at X Murbef, M U R B E F. And Perfect. it makes me very, very happy. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Mary Beth, for taking the time to come talk to us today. I, Thanks uh, for having me. Any closing thoughts before we, uh, before we shut her down? Um, therapy is great. And feel what you got to feel and love yourself. That's my thought right there. I love it. And to my listeners, I love you. Bye.